You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we are discussing if Brett Bathey should be the opening day third baseman for the New York Mets. First segment, going to go through his spring numbers, compare them to Pete Alonso in 2019, and if he is just out and out won this job in the second segment. We'll continue that conversation comparing him to Eduardo Escobar, the production you just got, and which one would be better to get a lion's share of the playing to this season. Then we're also going to look at some of the lineup combinations that can take place. We'll dive into that in the third segment uh, and also discuss a bit about Darren Ruff's situation should the Mets just cut him outright before opening day. We're going to get to all of it, but first, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, the New York Mets have a decision to make at third base when it gets to the opening day roster. Should they simply go as status quo, have Eduardo Escobar be the starter, Louis Guillorme coming off the bench, uh, leave both Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos in AAA and you know, try to go with the veterans, even letting Darren Ruff make the roster, that's one option. The alternative is to let the guy who's been playing the position the best, who is the best bat available at the position, get the chance to start. So why would you not go to who I believe is the better defender of the two candidates, really, for opening day, who is the better offensive player against right-handed pitching? Why would you not go to Brett Beatty? The only explanation could be that the New York Mets want to give Eduardo Escobar, a veteran leader, coming off a season where while he was not great for a lion's share of the campaign, really the four months in the middle of the season, he ended the year on an amazing note. He is the established vet, and they might believe, look, when we're looking at our lineup, one through nine, who's the most likely guy outside of Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor to hit us 25 homers. And that guy probably is Eduardo Escobar. If you went up and down the 40, I don't even know really who else you would look at and say, oh yeah, they can give us 25 homers this year. You can say in the perfect season, a Starling Marte or Brandon Nimmo could run into that many home runs, but that is very unlikely. You could say Daniel Vogelback could get there, but... Is he going to get enough plate appearances against just right-handed pitching to do it? Mark Vientos has 40 home run power, in my opinion. But that's when everything is fully realized at the big league level, when he's getting 600 plate appearances. uh, And if he has really maxed out his potential as a prospect. So I say I believe he's got 40 in the tank someday. This year, no. So again, you cross another name off the list. Brett Beatty. He might not hit 25 this year, but could he hit 15 to 20 if he got the job come opening day? Could he be a better defender than Eduardo Escobar? Could he 
go up and post a 127 WRC plus as a rookie. I think all of those things can happen. And because of that, I don't see what the Mets are waiting for here. If you look back at to 2019, Pete Alonso had every opportunity to win that job in spring training. He played in 22 games, had 71 at bats, hit four home runs, five doubles, one triple, batted 352 in spring, 387 on base, 620 slug. His OPS was just over 1,000. Brett Beatty, you look at his number so far in spring, 342 average, 468 on base percentage. Again, going back to Alonzo, 387. For Beatty, he is getting on base at a 468 clip. Yes, he's only slugging 447, one home run, one double. But he is giving you great at-bats. He has walked seven times compared to 13 strikeouts. So he's drawing his walks. He's getting his knocks. He's 13 for 38. So with those you know, seven walks, you're looking at that 20 times on base in, you know, what is it, I guess would be at 45 plate appearances, and that gets you to the 468 on base percentage. He's giving you a good at bat. And then we saw an article today by Tim Healy of Newsday where he was breaking down Eric Chavez's um, opinions on Beatty as a third baseman. Chavez has been working with Beatty a lot defensively. If you don't know, Eric Chavez won six gold gloves at the position, and he says this guy is more than ready. A big part of it for Beatty was understanding that while it's the hot corner and you got to get that throw to first. You do have a little more time than he realized. And sometimes the best third basements, they make it look like a bang-bang play, but it's because they know they have time. And it's important to get your feet set and really make a strong throw over there. And I think at times, with a young third baseman, they can rush, and that leads to the bad throws, which is the throwing errors across the diamond. And you're in a position where you're like an Alec Bohm or an Austin Riley when he started off where the defense is really an issue. So obviously you look at a rookie third baseman, and that is something that they have to iron out. But the bar, again, is not that high that he's trying to climb over when it compares to Eduardo Escobar defensively. So if you take that into context, you look at the spring numbers, you look at what he did last year, I really believe this guy should be the starting third baseman come opening day. And I want to dive a little bit more into the defensive stuff on Escobar, what Beatty could be offensively, and why this is, to me, a clear-cut decision as we also get to the roster construction, how all the pieces fit together. We're going to go through all of it in just a minute before we do Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring With simple tools like screening questions, it'll make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So as small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
Eduardo Escobar is not a good defender at third base. There's this misconception out there that he is. If you look at the numbers last year, minus 11 defensive runs saved, minus 7 outs above average. He graded out among the top 10% of the worst defenders in all of baseball. Brett Beatty is younger than Escobar by a decade. Brett Beatty is more athletic. Brett Beatty has a stronger arm at this stage. Brett Beatty defensively has Eric Chavez saying he has every opportunity to thrive at the position and he is feeling more comfortable. He had an epiphany at the position. I actually believe that Beatty is the better defender. Now, Louis Guillaume is the best defender and you can make an argument the Mets might be best with Guillaume and Escobar platooning like they were going to when we got to about August last year before Guillaume got hurt, where you can say, hey, Guillaume defensively is just going to bring you so much. He's going to get on base at a 350 clip. He's going to give you good at-bats. He's the guy you should go to. I mean, I understand an argument for each player. Ultimately, I don't believe that the Mets will use Guillaume in a regular role. He's going to be an irregular starter, as Buck Showalter likes to call him. Getting some some opportunities at second, third base. You can push McNeil to the left. Uh, you know, if Nemo starts the season on the IL, I'm sure that's a move the Mets might go to. Having Cannon in center, McNeil in left, Guillaume at second. So they like Guillaume on the bench. And then defensively, when we're comparing Beatty to Escobar, again, the bar is so low that he has to climb over that it just leads you to say, all right, well, what are we going to get from the bat? And again, if we look at what Brett Beatty did last year, in double A, he was the best hitter in his league. A 160 winner runs created plus that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. He was 60% better than a league average hitter in that league. The second best hitter was at a 131 WRC plus, if my memory serves. Is either 131 or 129? He was either 31% better than league average than the Snyder league average. You know, 31% better than the second best hitter in that league or 29% better. I don't have that in front of me, but I know it's one of the two. He hit 312, 406 on base, 544 slug, 19 homers in 89 games and 394 plate appearances, 462 on base percentage in six games in AAA. Got to the Mets. Wasn't great in a small sample, but it was only 42 plate appearances. I really believe that bare minimum, this is a guy that this season gets on base at close to a 350 clip. I think he's there. Now, how high of an average is he going to hit for? What's he going to slug? How many home runs is he going to hit? I don't know. But let's just say, bare minimum, you get a 350 on base percentage and a 400 slugging percentage. And for his you know, different stops in the minor leagues, it was always over 400, generally looking at 500. In 2021 in high A where he spent you know, a good part of the season, it was at 514. He struggled a little bit with the slug when he got to double A last year in 2021. That is two years ago, I guess, two seasons ago. 424 slug. Double A last year was 554, and then didn't have him enough time in either of the other stops to give you a representative sample. But I think a 400 slugging percentage is something that you could expect probably higher, probably closer to 450, which would then make him an 800 OPS player, which Eduardo Escobar was certainly not last season. You look at Eduardo Escobar's numbers last year, and you know altogether he played to the back of his baseball card, right? Altogether he was a 240 hitter, 295 on base, 430 slug, 106 weighted runs created plus was 
one point below what he posted the year prior, and he did hit his 20 home runs. But, you know, the OPS, if you combine it, you look at the the on-base plus the slugging, he was at 726. If Brett Beatty is getting on base at a 350 clip, you know, it's not going to take much, uh, you know, slugging-wise to eclipse what you were getting from an Escobar. And then things get even more concerning for Escobar when you dive into the splits because, you know, he was really good as a right-handed batter, as a switch hitter. He had 263 uh, with nine of his 20 home runs in obviously half of the plate appearances against lefties. He had 11 home runs against righties swinging from the left side. You look at the overall numbers facing off against right-handed pitching. 231 average, 293 on base, 387 slug, a 95 weighted runs created plus. He was 5% worse than your league average hitter. Then you go and look at what he did against lefties. Hit 263, 302 on base, 525 slug, 827 OPS compared to 681 against righties, 133 WRC+. Eduardo Escobar is at a point in his career where he should be swinging it primarily from the right side. He should not be facing right-handed pitching. Beatty is the guy that's perfect to complement Escobar. It's why when Yorman went down after they formed that platoon, they called on Beatty, not Vientos. I don't see any reason to not just let Beatty learn at the big league level. You have some concerns still defensively. Only way for him to get better and iron them out is fielding against MLB hitters. You, you want to see him uh, you know, continue to develop as a hitter. Obviously, he'd get maybe a little bit more regular playing time on AAA. I guess the only thing you could say is if you want him to face righties and lefties. That'd be the only thing. Whereas at the MLB level, I think Beatty is probably best served to be shielded from lefties a little bit early in his career because you have an Escobar who's better and you're trying to win as much as possible. But you look at the spring training numbers, you look at the way he showed up to camp, the way it looks like he's approved in every facet of his game, the fact that he's getting on base in nearly half of his at-bats in spring training, and to me it makes too much sense to not allow him to be part of this team. And when you look at the way the lineups would shake out with Beatty in the mix, the Mets are a lot better than they would be if they're just force-feeding Escobar into the starting lineup, where he's playing almost every day um, with Guillaume backing him up. And he's going to be giving you worse defense. And against right-handed pitching, he's not going to be giving you great at-bats. He might run into his home run still, but... It's not going to be the same type of a bat that you're going to get from a Brett Beatty who is going to be you know, hitting line drives all over the field, um, working good counts, drawing his walks, and you know, probably getting on base against right-handed pitching in particular. You know, About at least maybe 60 points higher when it comes to the on-base percentage and what you're going to get from Escobar. And when you're looking at a hitter at the bottom half of the order where you want to get some traffic on the bases for the top of the lineup, that's what you should be trying to lean into. We're going to discuss how those lines could be set up in just a minute. I also want to have a little bit of a moment discussing Darren Ruff. Before we get to any of that, though, you got to try Built Bars. They're a sponsor for today's show. They are absolutely delicious. If you're looking for a treat where you don't have to worry about all the fat and calories, you got to try Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good, 
is be- that they're covered in 100% real chocolate with unbelievable flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut and almond. These bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros, coming with only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around for a box because in the past I did tell you, go to built.com and that's still where you should go if you want to get a mixed box where you can try multiple flavors. But if you want that built bar right now, head to Walmart or Sam's Club, you go to the pharmacy section of your Walmart, grab yourself a box of built bars. They have the four bar box of the cookies and cream, double chocolate, the coconut puffs, or if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13 bar box of their hit flavors, the brownie batter or the churro. You thank me later, go to your local store and find Built Bars today. If Brett Beatty breaks camp with the New York Mets, he should be their starter come opening day. Guess facing off against Sandy Alcantara, so that would be a tough matchup for him, as it will be for the rest of the Mets lineup, but I really believe that is the route they should go. And if you look at how they would line it up, then 1-9, through nine, assuming Nemo is ready to go, which is still a big question mark, it would be Brandon Nemo, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso. That's all the same from last year. I don't know if they're going to bump Marte down the line to push McNeil up into the top three. I've been kind of banging the drum for that, but I don't know if that's going to happen. And I do know from last year that Strong Marte likes to have one spot in the lineup, not have it change at all. That's his thing. I want to be playing one position. I want to be in the same spot in the lineup. He likes that you know, regularity. So if he's in the two-hole on opening day, that's where he's going to stay. You could put McNeil as the protection for Alonzo. You could put Vogel back as the protection for Alonzo. I'd probably say those guys are going to be your 5-6 hitters against a righty. Then you got Canna, then you got Beatty. And the only reason why I put Canna ahead of Beatty is to break up the lefties and also the pressure that he's going to have to deal with if he's an eighth hitter. I mean, Brett Beatty would be in a prime position to you know get good pitches, to, to really be a, a guy that's in this lineup that other teams would want to attack. And, and that could allow him to really get off to a nice start before he really earns his keep behind him against all righties. It'd be Nervaez. Now, you go to the left-hander lineup. This is where Beatty gets pushed to the bench, but you'd still have Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonso. Escobar could bat fifth because he's great against lefties. You can then have McNeil, Tommy Pham, Mark Canna, Nito behind the dish. I would probably have Escobar starting at third. Uh, you know, you maybe give one of the outfielders a blow by having Pham play in the outfield, whether that's Canna being the DH or Marte being the DH or... Even Nemo being the DH. But that's the way you can structure your team if they go with the baby Escobar platoon at third. When righties are on the mound, you got Escobar, Yorme, Nito, and Fam off the bench. When lefties are on the mound, it's Beatty, Vogelback, Yorme, and Nervaez. I think the team makes sense. It's maybe lacking a little bit of speed, lacking a true backup center fielder, but that's basically where you're at with the fact that they went out and they signed Tommy Fam, which is a conversation I already had. The Mets made a mistake. That was a past podcast we did. Um, I do think that the team makes a little less sense, doesn't fit quite the way it should because of fans' presence, but because of it, uh, you're probably not going to be able to get a Tim LaCastro on this roster um, unless you go with a LaCastro over a Beatty and then your overall lineup is going to take a big hit. Now you look at the coverage at each position, first base, Alonzo Escobar, Vogelback, 
Um, those would be your options there. Second base, McNeil, Guillaume, Escobar. If you had Baby, Escobar can play around a little bit. He's played some second in his career. You could have him do that on occasion. You'd have Lindor and Guillaume at short. Beatty, Escobar, Guillaume at third. Canna, Pham, McNeil, and even Beatty uh, in a corner spot in the outfield and left. Center, Nimmo, Marte, Canna, right. You know, some combination of Marte with McNeil backing up as well with, you know, Canna, Pham, however they had to do it. I think the team makes a lot of sense with Brett Beatty on it. That's the bottom line. And I think it doesn't make a lot of sense to put Darren Ruff on this roster. Uh, look, he is struggling in spring. He struggled with the Mets last year. He's got this wrist arthritis. It's just all going bad for Darren Ruff at this point. He's 36 years old. Uh, you know, He's getting some opportunities in spring to try to get some at-bats. It's 20 at this point, seven games played. He's hitting 150, 227 on base. He has gotten three hits in his 20 at-bats, uh, one double, no home runs. He has, what is this, one, two, three, six strikeouts and two walks. So I don't see the fit on the roster for Darren Ruff. Um, I understand that that was the pedigree that they signed him to to come in, to be able to play some first, play some outfield, um, and, and mash against lefties. But it hasn't happened, and you're not married to this guy long term. I know Someone like Billy Epler probably hates to have to admit how wrong he was on making that trade, but sometimes you just got to own it and move on from it. And there's no world where Darren Ruff is a more functional and productive player on the 2023 Mets than Brett Beatty, than Mark Vientos for that matter, or even a Tim LaCastro. I just don't see it. So I imagine that before opening day, they're going to cut him and. We're going to get through all of that type of stuff on tomorrow's show as I'm going to give you my opening day roster predictions. I'm going to dive deep, look at everything, look at the bullpen arms who've been competing and try to make my guess for the 26-man roster. And then next week, same day on Thursday where opening day is played, we'll get some confirmation as to how close I was to predicting everything correctly. Uh, but make sure, if you don't want to miss that episode or anything else we got going on, to follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Ficklestein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. If you want to win your league this year, if you want to always be on top of the waiver wire pickups, you want to be prepared for your draft, make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.